Welcome to another episode of Legally Unfiltered. This is your host, Franz Borkhardt, along with host Richard Sprinkle. If you're listening on Talk 107.3 or watching on Facebook Live, welcome to another episode. We've got a special two-part episode today, Richard. Two parts. Two parts. Two parts. You know, some things can't be contained within a short 20-minute podcast. Hey, there's a lot of love here. Right, we, we, we right. we got to share it properly. So we're giving, because we're givers, we're going <laughs> to give givers. the listeners, you guys are going to be in for a treat. We've got the attorneys that represented uh, a young man named Kentrell um, Golden. You may know him as NBA Youngboy. You you know NBA Youngboy, right? I do know. Well, I mean, so, not so, personally. So if you've been watching certain things like you know, Rolling Stones magazine and other national publications, you'll have noted that he was recently acquitted, recently acquitted in a trial in California, uh, represented by some local Baton Rouge attorneys that are fantastic. So we got the guys, we've got Jimmy Manassa and Andre Belanger in from Manassa Gill Knight and Belanger Law Firm. Yes? We, don't, we don't want to throw the word heroes around lightly, but... I'm, I'm big fans okay. of these guys. Um, <laughs> You know, and look, you know, I, I'm going to steal Andre's thunder real fast before we jump in. Before we do anything else, you know, we love true crime. But as Andre said before we went on the air, there's only one thing better than true crime, Andre, and that is... No crime. No crime. This was right. an acquittal. And by the way, just to set the stage, in federal court, acquittals are kind of like unicorns. Uh, we know they exist, right? Well, maybe unicorns don't exist. Four-leaf clover in a field of green. We know a four-leaf clover exists. It's just sure. really hard to get them sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah. So why are we talking to these Baton Rouge attorneys, these Baton Rouge attorneys who just tried a case in California on a, on a local Baton Rouge radio station? Right. Well, it's because NBA Youngboy also has an active federal prosecution here, and there's some behind-the-scenes things going on that we, we can't talk about the local case, but what we can nope. talk about is why is this relevant to our community and what's going on. So, Jimmy, Andre, welcome to the Legally Unfiltered show. I'm glad you. you guys are here um, so let's start off. You guys represent NBA Youngboy, right? We do. We, we don't call him NBA Youngboy. We call him Control, right? He's Control. Okay. So how did you guys get involved in the case? Years ago, several years back, uh, I began representing him when he picked up a felony charge here in Baton Rouge. He also had a juvenile, juvenile uh, case pending, and we were able to get that worked out uh, so that he was able to get on probation. He was just starting his music career. We all knew that he had potential. He had a, uh, some people that were really interested in him that thought that he had a great future ahead of him. And what I was trying to do, and part of it, was trying to make sure that his career didn't get sidetracked before it got off the ground. And just mm. for those who don't, who are not enthusiasts of his entire catalog of music, this guy's kind of a big deal in the music industry, right? And I he mean, is prolific. He is Atlantic Records' number one um, entity as it goes to streaming music. Mm. Um, like over a billion views on YouTube. Oh, over, wow. over a billion. So we're, over, we're, excuse me, I think it's 8 billion. Views. So we are talking billion. about a, I mean, this guy is the real deal in terms of music. Uh, so all my nieces and nephews and little cousins are, know who he is. Okay. Okay. So, so this guy is out there and I will say from my part without divulging how I know this, um, Let's fast forward to 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, Baton Rouge is at a its peak, Richard, of crime. Um, well, I mean, so or at far. least depending on who you talk to. <laughs> so and far. there is a belief, there is a belief, um, and you guys don't have to comment on this, but I know this, there is a belief that all the crime in Baton Rouge, all the crime, <laughs> all the crime, no matter how silly all that it, is, stems from music, the music industry. Yeah, that... Um, that 
that is a theory, and it's a. You know, it's not think, a great theory, right? I think, I think politicians <laughs> like to do it, but what you see going on nationwide is that federal prosecutors and maybe some bigger state prosecutors are looking to say if you have a music label, you and everyone that sings with you is now a gang. Right. Mm-hmm. And We're going to put a label on it. for evidence of yeah. violent acts that yeah. actually have taken yeah. place. It, it reminds me back when we were in high school and every heavy metal band was the reason for all the suicides and all the drugs. And well, you know, it's, yeah, it's so, like, so, so you spin Ozzy Osbourne backwards. Right, right. But, but for purpose of this California trial, keep in mind the context. We're basically just outside of Compton where Eazy-E and NWA mm-hmm. got started. So, so the whole lyrics thing didn't wasn't going to be an issue out there. Right. But it, it may be a bigger issue here in other places. But that is the theme of prosecution right now nationwide. So, so what we wanted to talk to you guys about is, one, I think it's super cool that you guys, I mean, it's just another day for you guys. We don't, Richard and I don't just get to go try federal cases in, in Los Angeles. So I want to talk a little bit about that experience um, and why it's significant, the acquittal. I mean, certainly to, 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 to this young man, to, this, to this, this young man, this musician, this is huge, right? Because if he would have gotten convicted, um, generally on felon in possessions of firearm cases in, in the federal system, you're looking at zero to 10 years, um, and they will put you in jail. I mean that we we know we all know firsthand they Real will put quick, you in jail. fast and yeah. in a hurry. Yes. Um, so let's let's start there. Kind of he gets he gets I guess arrested in California in Los Angeles for possessing a firearm, um, and generally, so the listeners know this, um, there's something we call concurrent jurisdiction. We see state prosecutions for felon in possession of a firearm. Mm-hmm. We see federal ones. Uh, generally, depending on geographically where you are throughout the United States, certain ones will be picked up by the feds. Certain ones will be picked up by the state. And there's different consequences. You know, if he was prosecuted in the state system, there's different consequences in the federal. So you guys get the call. You guys get the call. Hey, this is what's going down. How do you guys get involved in the current Los Angeles case? Well, he calls us. His family calls us right. when he gets arrested. And one of the things you said a minute ago was really the most important thing is what effect this acquittal had on his life. Right. If he had been found guilty, he would have gone to prison for four years, five years, six years, up to 10 years. He would be on supervised release after that. His, again, his career would be sidelined for, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is with regards to us doing a podcast and people writing that's articles real. about it and all that kind that's of stuff. That's real. all great, and, yeah. and I appreciate it, and it's fun as lawyers, but really right. when we sit down and think about what's the most important thing, this kid's life was on the line and it was important for us to do everything we could to, to so, fix that so problem. Jimmy just touched on something, Richard, that I tell, as a side note, I tell people all the time because they're like, well, why don't you do PI work? Why don't you do car? Ca-? I mean, these guys are making so much more money. And, and like you guys, I like making money, but I, I tell them, Human liberty is the highest stakes at the poker table. Exactly. I mean, especially exactly. to the client who's looking, you know, down the face of a real federal jail sentence um, that would have systematic and, and, and collateral effects with his other cases as well. All right. So you get a call from the family. Um, hey, they, they've arrested him, I, I guess, presumably in, in L.A. on a felon in possession of a firearm case. What kind of happens from there? Well, So he was uh, he'd been arrested and charged in Baton Rouge and. The state case, the district attorney's office, law enforcement, everybody knew that we were representing him. Um, Nobody reached out to us. So all of a sudden we find out that he had been indicted by the federal government. They decided to adopt that case. And instead of it being in the state court in Baton Rouge, it was going to be in federal court. They issue a warrant for his arrest. Again, don't contact us. They always want to make it sound like, you know, they want to do things to protect the public, to make themselves safe, 
you know, going in and busting out surprise warrants, things of that nature are so, dangerous. So to your point, if they would have called you and said, hey, just a heads up, um, we've, we're, we've indicted your client and we're going to have this um, appearance hearing, you would have said, no problem. I'll turn him in I'll, or I'll have him at the hearing. He will show up or you would have made accommodations. What yeah. you're alluding to is, is instead of perhaps doing the professional thing of notifying you and allowing you the opportunity for him to walk in the front door, whether that be in a prison facility or in the federal courthouse, they just decided to go on and arrest him. Yeah, they decided to do shock and awe. And right. I'll tell you that we've had U.S. Marshals personally thank us at our office for doing turn-ins. Yeah. At our office, because it's safer for everybody. Right. Yeah. But no, it's, it's when, when you're, the government, when they're dealing with celebrities, likes to do power plays. And that's all this was in California, was a power play. He had never missed a court date. He'd never had a bench warrant. He satisfied his probation when he was on probation. He got terminated early from his probation because he had done such a good job, okay? There were several times in which they tried to do things to... So, so Jimmy, as a side note, and Andre, you, you do a lot of federal... You guys all do. We all do a lot of federal work. In a run-of-a-mill, in the run-of-a-mill felon in possession of a firearm case, normally for me, there's the state charges... They bond out on the state charges. They've been doing fine for two to three months on the state charges. And then the federal charges come and they move to detain them, saying that there, there's no condition that will allow them yeah. to safely be out. And you're like, well, wait a minute. They've been out on bond for the last two to three months and been perfectly mm. fine. State judge seems to think it's okay. Yeah. So, you know? so notwithstanding, that is that is the the setup, right? Is they, they high-profile defendant. High-profile individual, they they go for shock and awe. They probably do a press release afterwards saying, hey, we've indicted him. Um, what kind of happens from there? So they arrest him. Uh, there is a gun inside this Maybach uh, SUV that he had just purchased about 10 days before. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they charge him with that in federal court. They bring him for what's called a detention hearing, and that's right. decide whether he can get released or not. Sure. Uh, very fine lawyer that we, we got him hooked up with in California to be local counsel did a detention hearing, and the judge there had set conditions for him to be released. They appealed that to the judge here in Baton Rouge since the case was going to be uh, here, the warrant was here. Which, by the way, happens how often that, that you appeal a detention hearing? Just very, very seldom. Like I mean, rare, yeah, right? I mean, I've done this for 34 years, and I've seen him do it right. a handful right. of times. You know, count them on one, one hand, uh, one on fingers on one hand. So they do that. The judge here uh, does put a hold on him. Uh, we go and, and have a hearing here, and, and the judge here, uh, with respect, she decides that she's going to detain him, uh, and so he's held for a number of months. Uh, ultimately, we have another hearing here in which the judge hears certain evidence and decides to go ahead and, and allow him to be on house arrest in a home that he has out of state. Okay. So he's allowed to go stay at that house under certain conditions, and that's where he is until this case goes to trial. And to be, to be clear... Any individual accused of any crime that's allowed to be out and released, it's generally an obligation that they have employment. Mm -hmm. they, they arrest and conviction-free, employment, no drugs or alcohol, things that you would, that would quote-unquote, protect the public from. from uh, so my, my question is, is I'm assuming that, that while he was out, while this, this California case was pending, um, he was working, he was doing yeah, so Atlantic actually was nice enough to go into his home and build a studio. Awesome. Okay. And, 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 and he has been able to make some music and videos from his home that have been graphically overlaid and things of that nature. Okay. Um, shoot, I would imagine, and I know that's not what y'all are here to talk about, I would imagine him not being able 
to to work affects a whole bunch of people. Yeah, so him well, him not being able to go on tour. Right. That's or what to I was do getting all at. the other creative endeavors that he could do with third parties outside is a is a bit of an economic issue for him. Yeah, not just him, but but all the people he employs and okay. So he's out. You have this case pending in LA. You guys spend about how much time trying this case in LA? Well, the, the actual trial is about four weeks, but the actual preparation, I think Jimmy basically devoted like the last four months of his life to a right. singular cause. The, the trial was four days. Yeah. Four days, excuse me. Okay, so, and, and, and just so we're all on the same page, a four-day trial for a felon in possession of a firearm, um, it's been my experience that normally those cases are tried in two days, right? There's not a lot of moving, I mean, in normal cases like that, and I know each one's different, and you, you, Andre, you've handled a lot of those. And, and this, this was about the right time. This judge, um, who was very, very fair, he was a okay. really great judge. He's, you know, been on the bench for a long time. He, uh, he was very prompt. He started right at eight thirty in the morning, took a break at eleven thirty, um, you know, for lunch, came back at one, and then broke at four o'clock. So, and and it's because. People in California have to travel some. So, so literally sure. at four o'clock, if you were mid-answer, he was like, "Hold that thought till tomorrow." Okay. Like literally at four, done. But what made this a little bit unusual was our joint. Ex- we had a joint exhibit book, and it was five hundred one exhibits. Okay, that That's is a lot. That is That's what. A that is amount. the the exhibit book that you guys all agree. These are what we're going to present. Okay, that's five hundred plus, like five hundred and one. You said five hundred one exhibits. Okay. Now, not all of them are offered because the judge on his own did what we call a four hundred three ruling, saying some of the stuff is cumulative, some is not okay. relative. But the parties were prepared to offer five hundred one exhibits. The government called over fifteen witnesses. Okay. And that's a lot for a felon with a firearm. I mean, that's a tremendous fifteen witnesses. You're talking about like a murder case at so that point. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this. If you're just now tuning in, we're we're talking about the NBA young boy. Uh, trial out of Los Angeles with the attorneys that represented him, Jimmy Manassa and Andre Belanger. Great guys, great attorneys. Uh, we're going to talk about in the second segment of this of this uh, two segment show. We're going to talk about the meat and potatoes of the trial. So I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into it. But but five hundred plus or five hundred exhibits. We're talking photographs. We're talking. Video. Yep. There were a lot of video. Okay. Um, did the government try to use his music? This is the question I've always they wanted. Did. They tried to use his music as a piece of evidence to and show. They, they, they did. Um, they tried to use three songs, and uh, the judge excluded uh, that based on our motion in limine, and that's actually one of the first um, cases in the country where the lyrics have been excluded. Okay. Okay. What was the judge's reasoning, just out of curiosity? Too prejudicial. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it had so. nothing to do with this particular case. Right. You know, and you know, and look, some of the hip hop songs are, are pretty violent. Sure, but it has nothing to do um, with with him. And we showed a uh, dissertation from uh, UC Irvine, um, where someone did a bunch of studies where they took like Johnny Cash songs and other country music songs and rap right. songs, and they're presented to people anonymously and say, "Hey, this is a rap song. This is a country song," and if it was deemed to be rap, it was deemed to be more literal. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the next layer of studies. When he said this was written by an African-American, this was written by a Caucasian, mm-hmm. the Afri- African-American song was taken to be more literal. Mm-hmm. And, and so very prejudicial, um, all excluded. Um, so, and, and that was before trial started. That's a huge, that's a huge, huge victory. Yes. I mean, um, because, you know, the, 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 the obvious reality is, is the society that is not into that music 
views that music as not art, but reality. Yeah, right? but just think of Folsom Prison Blues. I no, just no, no, shot no, a man to watch him die, right? I 100% agree with you. And look, we at a local level have seen other musicians, rap rappers, prosecuted. Um, you know, look, we're not going to go into it, but... Um, uh, well, this is a national theme yeah, with yeah, federal yeah, prosecutors yeah. is trying it's to use in lyrics. MSNBC well, had a big story about it a couple of months back. Yeah. Um, so it's everywhere. Multi-jurisdictional racketeering investigations. Mm-hmm. And the belief is, and, and we alluded to this at the beginning of the episode, uh, the belief is, hey, this is the scourge and the reason for all the crime. And they connect up the music and the, and the contents of the music with, and I'm not, I'm not saying that your guy is involved in any of this, but all the drug dealing. All the violent crime, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, domestic violence that has nothing to do with anything. Anything no. and everything crime was thefts at Walmart. All, all, all connected. But by saying it's gang, by by trying to make yeah. it look gang related, they get federal funding so that right. they can buy nice, shiny new things. They can hire more people. They can they can classify it that way. Most of these groups and most of these groups of kids are kids that grew up together. They sure. grew up going to the same school. They grew up in the same neighborhood. You know, when I was in high school, I went to U High. We had country music. We dipped skull. We wore cowboy boots. We all had guns in our cars. We would be gang. We would be a gang. Mm. So I argued the other day at a detention hearing. There was a firearm underneath the front passenger seat of a vehicle, and there were three kids in the back seat. And the AUSA, who will remain nameless, was saying how violent it was that there was a gun in a car with children. And I mm. argued, we're in South Louisiana. Right? Yeah. Like, are you telling me that every parent <laughs> that has a firearm with their kids in the car is is violent because they have a firearm in their, you know? So we've got about a couple minutes left on this segment, but but we are going to talk. If you're just now tuning in, we're, we're talking to Jimmy Manassa, Andre Belanger, uh, two. I mean, you guys had a full team, right? I mean, I looked at the photos. How many people were, were on the team all total? Well, we had two other attorneys, Tanner Woods, who works with us, who did an unbelievable job organizing everything with the exhibits we, we couldn't have done it without mm-hmm. him uh robbie gill my law partner for 30 years was with us um toby pierce my secretary confidant you know she office she, guru yeah i mean she just took well, care of everything and, and people don't realize when you try a case particularly in federal court the expectation by the court the judge is going to be that everything is going to be seamless and perfect and people don't realize how difficult it is to get everything appear to be perfect you know like if there's a glitch with a computer, if there's an audio glitch, every everybody loses the judge loses their mind. I'm not saying your judge, but in no. tip, you know. Oh, the judge did lose his mind, and, and that's at the government's expense in this case. Okay, like they, they had problems with their audio visual. Mm. Um, but you want to know the little dirty secret? If Cantrell does not have the means to hire a firm, mm-hmm. if he was poor, he'd be in jail. Well, that's maybe that's part of the the, the, the remaining three minutes we have is what is this? So there is the belief that if you can hire private attorneys instead of, of indigent ones, um, that you get better representation. And I've always said it's not because it's not because the public defenders of the world are not good attorneys. It's just it's it's the law of, of attrition. I mean, if you've got thousands upon thousands of cases with no support system, you well, know, you, you just touched on it too. It's the support system, right? Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you've got the money to put out cash for a good investigation and and a good defense team, you're going to be substantially yeah. better off yeah. than somebody so who's so got one public defender. So to prepare us with getting gun consultants, fingerprint consultants, right. DNA consultants. We also were able to put aside a block of multiple attorney time. Did he testify in the trial? 
He did not. He did not. Okay. Because all they would do is sit there and say, well, he's up there telling a lie. Well, right. So, right. so that is, in fact, I was, I was doing legal commentary on another platform, and someone was talking about, well, you know, if I were accused of a crime that I didn't do, I would, you couldn't keep me off the stand. Want to bet? And I, and I said, <laughs> you're in a lose-lose. I said, there are some cases where you need to testify, but you're in a lose-lose proposition because the jury is going to say, if you get up there and testify, they're going to say, you're just, you're just getting up there to save your own skin. If you don't get up there, they're going to criticize you. You can't win. He, he could have put the, the the person in there that left the gun in the car, but all they would have done is accused them of lying and getting paid off. Sure. That's mm-hmm. all they would have done. Yeah. So it wouldn't have done well, any good. Well, wasn't necessary. Was a not guilty. Look, we're gonna be we're gonna be wrapping up this episode. We got about a minute left. If you're if you're tuning in, you definitely want to check out our next episode where we're gonna actually talk about the meat and potatoes of the trial, um, what happened at the trial, you know, what were the defenses, and you know, we're gonna close up with the fact that there is going to be a trial here at some point uh, for some charges. We can't go too deep into those, but we'll at least give everybody kind of a, an, an idea. Yes, Richard, I'll say the mic. I, you know, you would think that I'd know how to do radio better than this. You would think. Yeah, I don't. I'm lost. The views and all, the the expressed all right, so we're going to be wrapping up this episode. We're going to be wrapping up this episode. Uh, stick around. We will be back with another, another Legally Unfiltered episode. The views and sure opinions expressed before. in Legally I'm, I'm Unfiltered I'm, do I'm not lost. constitute <laughs> legal advice. If you would like really legal serious. advice on the topics that so we've discussed, Facebook, send us money. Stick around. That's right. Uh, Go ahead and retain us. Do not, kids, try this at home.